ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. It's Rico here, CEO of Source Asia, host of Main Channel Podcast and the host of the Source Fight Asia YouTube channel. Back with another podcast. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Christmas in China is kind of weird. I think I've talked about this before. Uh, it's just, it's sort of like, I would equate it to, in terms of Western holidays, I'd equate it to like a Halloween, where it's like, it's kind of... A holiday but it's not really a holiday you know what i mean people don't really take it that seriously it's also for kind of like a younger generation of people like i think the older chinese people just look at it as like just another day where you know western people go eat like different food or whatever so that like it's more of like yeah we could just go to like a restaurant and, and have dinner and take advantage of like this special but no one's really <laughs> no one's really dressing up in a Christmas, in the Christmas spirit. No one's, uh, like even the restaurants that sometimes have, like the Chinese restaurants that sometimes have like a, a set menu for Christmas, they'll, they'll won't have any Christmas decorations or they'll have like the decorations and a set menu, but then they're playing like some random, you know, Chinese or K-pop music in the background, which doesn't really make sense. Um, you could go, you could be like in a shopping mall and see like a, a big Christmas tree and stuff. But then as soon as you walk outside, it's like Christmas doesn't exist, right? Uh, or stay in the subway, like Christmas doesn't exist. And then, you know, you go to like, like I said, uh, the Western restaurant or like in my office building, the downstairs area, you would have no idea that it's Christmas. Um, and then you walk into like our office like floor, then there's like a Christmas tree and decorations around. So it's just, it's just kind of weird like that. It's very... Uh, you know they kind of it's they kind of dip their toes into the vacation you know what i mean but i have noticed that just i guess because the younger generation of chinese people that have grown up with western culture a little bit more are getting older now um i mean i could count myself as part of that right like as i'm not chinese but like the same age group because i remember when i came when i was 22 it was even less like there was less christmas stuff going on than there is now um and I, but I did notice that time period, like when I was talking to my students who were like my age and a little bit younger, they were more like, yeah, we do do something with our friends for Christmas. Like we'll go for dinner or we'll exchange presents between each other. So it'd be interesting to see what that's like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when these people are having children, are they going to then like actually participate and give gifts to their kids on Christmas? That, that would be an interesting thing to see with China in the, in the future. Um, <clears throat> that being said, today's podcast is uh, was posted originally on the YouTube channel. It's a deep dive that we did on quality control, specifically uh, PVC toys, but the general structure of these inspections is the same. Um, the difference is if you're going to watch the YouTube version of this, you're going to see like clips of the actual processes that I've mentioned. So like when we were doing drop tests and pull tests and stuff like that, we used B-roll from from our previous inspections um, as, you know, for those videos. And then, you know, it's just going to, there'll be more of a visual representation to the stuff that I'm talking about. But this is like, you know, step-by-step process and how you perform a typical quality control inspection. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the podcast. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. What's 
up, YouTube? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, co-host of the Beta China podcast and the host of the SourceFind Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one. A while ago, I did a, a video called The Basics of Performing Quality Control Inspections. I think I mentioned in that video I was going to do a deep dive, and today is the date when I do a deep dive. So we're going to be focusing on the process of doing a quality control inspection, AQL Level 2 inspection, using PVC toys as a case study. So just a quick refresher, so the AQL level 2 or AQL level quality control standards is a global standard that was developed in World War II. I talked about it more in depth in the basics of how to perform quality control inspections. I'll put a link in the description below. But uh, so that is the standard that you're usually going to use when you're performing inspections in China. For example, with our product, we actually have them on display here, uh, prodigygame.com slash toys. This was actually our first client that we produced PVC figurines together. So this, this goes way back to 2015. In fact, the first product is uh, this guy, Big Hex. Um, this is actually a 3D printed model. So this is before we actually produced off of the mold. And you can see the final version there, and then we expanded the toy line afterwards. So as I've mentioned in previous videos, when you're doing quality control inspections, you're going to break it down, especially when it's an original design, there's going to be three steps to it. You're going to have a 3D printed prototype, which is not going to be painted, and then you're going to have a hand painted version of that. And then once the mold is produced, you're going to do a sort of during production inspection, and then you have the final random inspection at the end of the production. So breaking down the during production inspection, the FRI final random inspection, those are quite similar, except the difference is you're, you want to inspect the product when you have 5% produced, 10% produced, 40% produced, so you can catch certain things very early. And then for the final random inspection, that's at the end of the production when everything is fully packaged, everything is completed, and you're inspecting the products that are ready to be shipped up. So obviously the initial sample, that's going to be very easy, right? You have a 3D printed model, you're confirming that it looks the way you want it to look. Um, and once they hand paint that, you confirm that it has the colors and, and the, the right paint style that you want. But it's not going to be an accurate reflection of how the product will look after a mass production. So that's why you want to do a during production inspection. Specifically with something like toys, there are very, very strict rules when you're selling to uh, selling a product like toys to children, obviously, right? The safety concerns. And I'm sure you guys have heard of issues in the past where uh, products that were given to kids had toxic chemicals. So when you do the during production inspection, you want to take out, typically, depending on the product, you're going to take out, let's say, five toys. These will be fully painted, fully produced, like off of the production line. You're sending them to a testing facility 
Uh, the most famous one is called SGS. They're also one of the most expensive ones, but that is like the, I guess, gold standard globally. And they usually request like five of the toys and then they'll request a portion of the paint and then they'll request a portion of the raw material, so the PVC that is used in the product. And then they do a test for toxic chemicals and, and uh, strength tests and you know, safety tests and all that stuff. So what we do as well during the during production inspection, we also do kind of similar testing, except we don't test for the toxic chemicals because we don't have the equipment for that. So I'm gonna break down the DPI process. So for the during production inspection, the first thing you wanna do is you wanna have clearly defined what your critical major and minor defects are. Again, if you're familiar with the AQL level two process, you should have that defined before you even start the mass production. We separated the inspection into two different inspections. So you take, let's say, a sampling of 80 toys, right? And you're gonna do a general aesthetic inspection and then you're also gonna do a physical stress test inspection. So the aesthetics thing is, is pretty straightforward. If I take out one of these toys, I take out one of these toys. So the general aesthetics, we're talking about paint defects, little like if little edges of the product to see if that, that they've been injection molded properly. Um, you want to know, you want to see that it's been glued together properly as well. So that's when that's a general aesthetic thing. So you just want to go through each one. You're probably going to have a perfect sample, like a golden sample, and then you're going to take that golden sample and just look at each one and say, okay, does this match as close as possible to the golden sample? You should have major, minor, critical defects defined. So yes, it's not gonna be 100% the same every single time, right? But let's say a critical defect is, this is orange, the hair here is supposed to be orange, and then you find out that there's like a black streak going down, that's an obvious critical defect, right? So that's the general aesthetic. You're not going to be inspecting packaging at this stage, because again, this is a during production inspection, so the packaging's pro probably not even completed yet. Then you wanna do the stress test. So for the stress test, what we did, and there's gonna be obviously a video playing over me right now, but what we did is we do a pull test and a drop test. So the pull test, there are general standards for North America and Canada for pull tests, and there are general standards for Europe. You're basically trying to pull the product from one of the parts that is glued together. So you're gonna pull it and apply a certain amount of force to it and see how long it withstands that force. So for these products, I remember the specific amount, but it was something to the degree of like 80 pounds of force and you're pulling them for about five to 10 seconds at a time and seeing whether it completely comes apart. So that's basically testing the strength of if a kid is gonna pull the toy apart, is it going to stay together? And if it passes that, then that passes the test. It can break, but it has to at least withstand a certain amount of time. So it'll be like five to 10 seconds. So you can see we try to pull from multiple angles and from different sections of, of the product that is glued together. Now with us, because we were making a very high-end figurine, we had our own sort of defect stipulation. So we, go, we were going above and beyond the standard rate. Like if the standard rate was 40 pounds of course we were applying 90 you know and, <laughs> and I remember having conversations with the factory at the time and they're just like nobody's ever going to like apply that amount of force but we were trying to create a product that would last a very long time so that's that's step one then you're doing the drop test so the drop test is again very standard depending on the age 
of the, the kids that are going to be playing with the toy and the size of the toy, there's going to be a certain height. So I remember with ours, it was about one meter. But again, we were going above and beyond. So we would go like one and a half or two meters. And then you drop it at multiple angles. So you drop the toy on its head, you drop it at its base, you drop it on its side, and you try to drop it about three to five times on each angle and see if it breaks or see if the toy starts to come apart or chip and you know things like that. So again, you want to have clearly defined major, minor, and critical defects. So if it drops, let's say you drop it, you know, at four or five different angles, ten times, and then at some stage one of the heads pop off. Is that is that okay? Is that acceptable? Because it's been dropped so many times. Does it have to pass that complete standard? If it starts to come apart, is that acceptable? Is that critical? Is that minor or major? So you have to define those. Again, there are industry standards, but you also have to define your own level of quality that you want from the product. One question you guys might be asking right now is, how do I know how many products to inspect? So again, going back to the AQL tables, if you look at the AQL tables, you will know, so let's say you order 5,000 toys, 10% uh, of the production is done, so it's 500. You will know based off of the AQL level standards, that if you have 500 toys that are ready to be inspected, how many of those toys am I selecting as a base for my test plan? So now moving on to the final random inspection. As I mentioned before, the final random inspection is going to be quite similar to the during production inspection. The difference is that you're now inspecting for the final finished product, right? So you're looking at the product, not only fully assembled and painted, but you're also looking at it fully packaged, right? So it should be fully packaged in the box and then also inside what's called the master carton. So the master carton is the carton that holds, so let's say you have, uh, in each carton you might have 50 toys. So you put 50 toys in a big box and that's the box that is used to ship to whatever. So it's gonna have, you know, the location it's being shipped to, it's gonna have a description of the product, the size and all that stuff. And then the master carton is how you actually even define your shipping cost. So with our final random inspections, we kind of split them into, into five parts, uh, actually four parts rather. So we had one, we're checking the production status, is the, are the toys actually completed? So we sometimes do final random inspections when there's like, let's say 90% completed or something like that, because we still know that's gonna be a good enough sample size to, to approve the, the shipment. But ideally you want to go there when 100% of the products have been finished and then maybe 70%, 80% have actually been packaged into, into the master garden. So then you still have a sample size that you can use for stress tests and things like that. And then the second part of our inspections was the export packaging. So as I mentioned before, seeing how the product has been fully packaged, because we had requirements, we even had requirements in terms of how the toy, which direction the toy should be facing, right? So if this toy was facing this way or facing inward, that's a fail. So you have to have your own stipulations and give the factory very clear instructions, SOPs prior to the production starting on that. And, and like I said, you want to stress test the master cartons. The third part would be the inner packaging and labeling. With these toys, we actually had sort of code for the toys and each toy has its unique code so the kids would be able to unlock the character in the game. So this is some of the stuff that you want. The factory was responsible for labeling each one of those. And you want to make sure that it's been done correctly. And then the fourth part was the product inspection. So we're doing a general aesthetic inspection and then we're also doing a physical 
stress test. And then the fifth part of the inspection was to see whether the, the sum of the defects has passed the AQL level standards that we've set up. And then from there you have to have the next course of action. Do, are we holding the shipment? Are we approving the shipment? Are we asking the factory to remake the products? Like what is the next course of action? So I'm not gonna go point by point in terms of how each part of the, the inspection is done because we, this would end up being a two hour video. But uh, we will have, we should have a screenshot of our reports so you can kind of have a better look at each individual step of the, of the inspection process. But starting off with the packaging, so the export packaging, how the master cartons are put together and the inner packaging, you want to check the export information is correct. So there's something called the shipping mark. This is something that the factories are going to request from you probably two to three weeks before the end of the production is what is your shipping mark. There is no real standard, like unless you're shipping to a warehouse, like an Amazon warehouse, they, they will have specific standards in terms of how they want the master cartons and the actual packaging to be labeled. But essentially this is your information. Like you just want to put your company name, what the product is, maybe the size of the actual carton and maybe the weight of it. And then where is it shipping to? So like made in China and you know going to California, something like that. So again, that's up to you really. You can be as detailed or it's gonna be as simple as you want it to be, unless you are working with a specific warehouse that has specific requirements for the, the, the carton. The other thing that you're gonna do is there's going to be a, what, what we like to call like a drop test for the master carton. And this is based off of the size of the carton. It's also based off the weight. So the reason why you do this is because during the course of shipping, whether it's an air shipment or a sea shipment, that carton is going to be dropped. It's just, it's going to happen. Like it's either going to be dropped or it's going to be kicked or whatever is going to happen during that, during the shipping process. You want to make sure that your carton is thick enough and strong enough to withstand that damage and not actually damage the product that's inside. So with ours, just looking at the report, ours was between 10 to 10 to 15 kgs, so we would drop it from about 61 centimeters. And you only have to do this once. Uh, you do it once, maybe with two or three different boxes. Then you open it up and look at the, you know, the packaging and see if the packaging is still intact. You just want to check for smells. You want to check that the products have been, uh, like the right products are packaged within the cartons. That they're also the right amount has been packaged within the cartons. And then some general information, you want to check that the weight matches what you think it's supposed to weigh because if it's heavier, that means that you're probably going to have to pay a larger shipping price. If it's lighter, that means that there might be some products missing. So you want to double check that the weight is, the estimated weight is roughly what you're expecting it to be. And then the other part is after you've done the master cartons, right, you want to actually open up some individual packaging to see that again the product has been packaged correctly that it doesn't smell because you know if it hasn't been if the product wasn't dried enough before you put it into the box there's going to be that like chemical smell from the the paint um, and that means that the factory just didn't dry them effectively you also want to make sure that haven't there hasn't been any like paint that's been chipped off into the inside of the packaging and little things like that so Again, use the same process of measuring the the size and the weight of the master cartons. You want to go through that same process with the the toys, uh, the toy packaging. You want to make sure that the you know the size is correct, the weight is correct. It's what you're expecting it to be, and just for any other general defects, 
from an aesthetic point of view. So as I mentioned before, during production inspection, when you do that, you do the general aesthetic inspection, you do the physical inspection of the actual toy. You're going to do the same thing in the FRI, except you're just going to have a larger sample size. So again, if your order is 5,000 units, then you're going to be taking a sample size based off of the AQL level one, two, or three, but typically two, based off of that chart, how many samples are you gonna take as a you know as a general inspection? And then you're you're not going to do the same exact inspection on, on the same amount of toys. You're gonna to take, let's say, if the sample size is hundred units, you're gonna take 40 for the stress tests, and then you're gonna take you know 60 for yeah, and 60 and then split them up into different things. So you might take three pieces and weigh them. You might take three pieces and measure the dimensions. You might take 60 or 80 pieces and do a general aesthetic uh, inspection. So you don't, like, you don't have to inspect every single unit. It's also not realistic to do that. That would take days. Um, so this is just sort of the standards that you wanna follow. So again, you're going to do a drop test. You're going to do the pull test, as I mentioned before. What you should be looking at is you should be looking at the defect rate from the during production inspection and then comparing that to the final random inspection. And you wanna see an improvement, right? Because if, or you want it to be exactly the same if it passed the first time. Because if you found defects during your during production inspection, you're supposed to tell the factory to fix those defects. And then there should be an improvement in the final random inspection. So as I mentioned uh, for the pull test and, and stress test, some of the stuff that I did mention in the dream production section is you can buy actual pull test machinery. So we had a pull test rig, um, it was automated and you set the amount of force you want and then you, you set up the toy in the rig and then it would pull it from opposite ends. It would hold it for whatever set amount of time that you, you request. You can obviously buy your own equipment or you can work with a company like mine and then other QC companies. Sometimes the factories will have this equipment in-house. So if you don't have it and you wanna send a company or you wanna go there, you can use their equipment. I would not trust a factory to perform your final random inspection. Like even if it's great if a factory does that on their own, but it's still your responsibility as a buyer to one, get your products tested, get the certification done, to, to perform the inspections yourself because you're still going to be liable. Factory is not going to care about the product as much as you, you do. So again, um, once you've done that, you want to compare the defects, see if the product passes your requirements and the general standards. If it doesn't, then you should already have some sort of agreement in place with the factory to say, if this doesn't pass the final random inspection, what is the course of action? Are we fining you? Are we reproducing the product? Are we replacing the product? Are we fixing the defects? Maybe the defects are very minor, so there could be like little paint things that need to be touched up. You don't want to be in a position where you do the final random inspection and then the, 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 it's a failure and you don't have some sort of preset agreement in place with the factory. So yeah, of course we offer the service. There's other QC companies that do, but you know, we have quite a bit of experience in this arena and we also work with QC companies. If the product is something that we don't feel comfortable inspecting, then we do work with other companies as well. Another part of the final random inspection process is inspecting packaging. So a lot of people don't understand this, but packaging is, is basically a separate product. And if you're producing at a, a certain scale, you might want to have a separate packaging factory. 
So for example, with these toys, we were doing you know, 40,000 toys in an order and our packaging was quite specific in design. It becomes more cost effective and it's smarter to have a separate packaging factory. So that's what we had. Typically the packaging, your factory is going to tell you, like the, the, the factory that's producing the main product is going to tell you when they need the packaging by. But typically packaging doesn't take that long. Once you confirm a sample, it's really just them printing out it's you know on, on whatever quality of paper that you're using. It's pretty much just them printing out and stamping, you know, the mold for the for the screen here. And then with us we also have what's called a blister tray. So this is also a separate thing. It's, it has its own mold and this is just injection molded and they cut each one of these pieces and then you inspect that it fits together. So when you do the final random inspection, you're inspecting one fully assembled packaging like this, but typically the actual packaging is not going to be put together. It's actually going to be like flat pieces of, of cardboard. And you just want to inspect aesthetically, has it been printed correctly? If you look at five or 10 of these and they've been printed correctly, you don't have to inspect you know, the other 20,000 of them because it, again, it's just a printer. And then you want to make sure that the product actually fits in the packaging the way you expect it to be. So the, the QC process is going to be similar. You're still going to be using an AQL level two inspection process, but there's actually less steps to the inspection when you're inspecting packaging and therefore you can just take a larger sample size. If you want some additional information on our business process with Prodigy, I actually did a three-hour podcast with Brian Paration. It's in three parts, so it's obviously audio made in China podcast. Check it out. So I hope this video was educational, and uh, we'll check you guys next week. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Oh,